welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show with Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bally here to give you the latest in athletics from all the levels, high school, collegiate, and professional, and whatever else. Mitch, so happy to be back with you. It's a good week to be talking sports. Kind of a lighter week, but it's a good one because we have many games this coming weekend. Uh, we have playoff baseball officially underway right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. And uh, basketball is just right around the corner. I believe a week from the Cleveland Cavaliers tipping off across the border up north in Toronto. So, yes, great week for sports. Like you said, playoffs just started yesterday as we're going to cover some of those games here shortly. Get ready for NFL week six already and uh, talk some high school sports week nine of the high school football season. Absolutely. And before we get into it, obviously, you guys know that we are on multiple streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. Spotify, you can find our video podcast format. You can also find us here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe and hit the bell. Uh, go to our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, as well as our Facebook, Big Time Sports Ohio, on Twitter at BTS Ohio, and then on Twitter at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bally. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. So now, Mitch, I mean... We'll get right into it. We'll get into a, a bit of a break from our usual uh, structure. And because last night you and I both were watching the game and between. Well, there were many games on on uh, Tuesday night to start off the divisional round. And between these guys and these guys, these guys came out on top uh, four to one final where I mean, it was a game, Mitch. I don't know if you what you thought about where the guardians stand after this game. But to me, it kind of felt like this is a team that can at least compete with a 100 plus win big market bully team like the Yankees. Cause I know many people did not expect them to, uh, to be able to, to level up to where New York is currently. Oh, they absolutely can compete with this team. And I thought last night you saw the difference between the team being able to take over a game in which it was very tight. I mean, it was tight all the way really till the end, even though that the score was four to one Yankees in game one, um, one, nothing guardians off of an unlikely hero hitting a home run, uh, Steven Kwan, which by the way, that now makes all four runs. The Cleveland has scored in three playoff games coming via the home run ball, about that? which is hilarious because remember we don't hit home runs, but it's also slightly frightening, but nothing I would worry about yet. We'll get into that a little more. Um, but you heard Terry Francona after the game. They just flat out beat them. Um, I kind of begged to differ. I think that the game completely, I think the game turned in two spots. I think when the Guardians had the chance in the third inning with the bases loaded and your four hitter up after Rosario and uh, Jose got on base after the Quan home run, I really thought that was it right there. You had already run Garrett Cole's pitch count up so much. I thought this was a chance for us. Oh, uh, freight last night with runners in scoring position where the Guardians, that's a killer especially for a team, Mitch, that that is where they thrived all year. They don't hit home runs. They usually get base hits, and we saw it with Rosario getting on and then Jose hitting a double, and it was second and third. One out, I believe, No, and your four hitter up, and they just couldn't capitalize. I thought the momentum swung towards the Yankees there. Bader comes up the next inning, hits a game-tying home run, a very unlikely guy just like Quan to hit a home run, and then... Oscar Gonzalez being a rookie in a big spot in right field, making a monumental air with a misplayed ball down the line that ends up going through his legs into the corner. It's a triple that run later scores on, I believe a Jose Trevino sack fly. And it was two one. I don't think it was over there, but once judge got on um, and, and this is where I think you and I, we should start with here and your take was Cal Quantrill in too long. Did Tito leave him in too long or did Cal Quantrill deserve the opportunity to go back out there? 
No, I, th- I think he was at a rate in which it was it would have made sense for him to go back out because the bullpen, I mean, as fresh as arms as you have going into that contest, that's still a tough matchup but against this Yankee lineup. And it's funny you mentioned Gonzalez is there when the play before he made an extremely yeah. veteran move against a veteran who made a rookie mistake when Josh Donaldson hit the top of the wall uh, very close to a home run. And then he assumed that it was gone. So he just started uh, lackadaisically running instead of getting back to the base or going for second. Um, yeah, that was where the game I was like, OK, this is where the the rook, the the young, the youth starts to show for Cleveland where Gonzalez it's a, it's a tricky ball too, because of the spin it had on it, but you got to make that play. <laughs> and when Rizzo hit the home run, I was like, all right, that's the game. Cause I mean, and, and give full credit to Garrett Cole too. He pitched like the man who was given all that money by the Yankees uh, last night. Now time will tell if he pitches like that in an elimination game or with his back against the wall, time will tell, but I give them a lot of credit last night. They ended up playing more small ball at times than uh, than the Guardians did at points, even though many of the runs last night were because of the long ball. And I don't know. It's going to be it's not going to be an easy game, too. This is a very good matchup coming up on uh, Thursday, potentially Friday with the weather with Shane Bieber taking on Nestor Cortez. Um I know you could say you could point to 2017 as an example, but I do think you have to win this one. If you go back to Cleveland down to nothing, that's such a tall order, even with guys like McKenzie uh, with McKenzie potentially starting in game three. And then who knows where you go from there in four and five. I mean, you got Savali potentially in the mix. Quantrill could be a game five guy where it's very hard for him to lose in Cleveland, but that could be the time I'd rather you just obviously rather you just get one of these games in and then it's, up for grabs essentially in those three, those potentially those next three. And it's, I I think a lot of it has to do. And if you watched game one last night on TBS, which a lot of mixed reviews with Bob Costas, I personally love Bob Costas, Mitch, I don't know about you, Um, but there is the possibility that game two does not happen Thursday night. There's a possibility push back to Friday. And if it gets pushed back to Friday, game two is automatically a must win game because you will not see Shane Bieber again. My whole thought process with this was Shane Bieber pitches game two. If you go to game five, he would probably come back on three, four days rest and he would go. Now you're talking about potentially playing game two, Friday, three and four, if necessary, Saturday, Sunday, and then game five back in New York, if necessary on Monday, there would be no shot. Bieber's ready for that. But listen, the Yankees did what they were supposed to do with a pitcher that has shown he's capable of what he showed last night in multiple postseason performances before. And you kind of expected them to, to get that game. I, I was holding out hope that we could steal game one, Mitch, but I would say I was more so expecting the Yankees to come through. And I, I feel confident in game two. You're throwing your ace. They threw their ace and they got one. You're throwing your ace now and you have a chance to get one on the road. And that's where it all starts. Game three, then you come back home and you have McKenzie going. Even if you're down 0-2, I like our odds in game three at home with McKenzie in the crowd. I, I think you have to wait and see when game two happens. I think that that really is going to change. Like you said, Savali could be in the mix, but if you go to game four on Sunday and this game happens Friday, you almost have to pitch Cal because he's been so great at progressive field. And I don't know if you want to thrust Savali into that spot because more than likely, if you go to a game five, you know, it's all arms on deck and you know that you might just need Savali to get through that lineup one or two times, but we're not there yet. I still feel confident. And, and for everybody out there, that is worried about the offense, right? And 
you, you can be worried. I'm not saying don't be worried, but look at who we've faced. We have faced Shane McClanahan, who through the first half of the season and started the, the all-star game for the American League was through the first half, the favorite for the American League Cy Young. You face Tyler Glass now, who personally, me, Mitch, I think Glass now is the best pitcher on the Tampa Bay Rays team, but he is just coming back from injury. And now you face Garrett Cole. You face potentially three number one pitchers, three straight games. Now you're going to face nasty Nestors. They call him Nestor Cortez, and he's a lefty, and that might hurt us, but he's another guy, not a whole lot of postseason experience. You know Shane Bieber was hungry for game one of the wild card. You don't think he's going to be motivated again here to go after the team that put up seven on him in the 2020 playoffs. I expect to see the Shane Bieber we saw back in Cleveland last Friday in game one of the wild card against Tampa. I'm excited, but don't just don't get too down on the offense yet. I, I think there's still plenty of time for them to come around. It's all up to the hitters, though. I, Garrett Cole's breaking ball last night, Mitch, was filthy. They're just filthy. But the plate discipline from every hitter except for Stephen Kwan and Jose Ramirez was atrocious. It really was. They could not stop swinging the balls out of the zone. Ahmed Rosario was trying to do too much. He swung at two balls out of the zone and fouled him off. And then the one thing you couldn't have happen because you needed Jose to get up was grounded into a double play. And that's exactly what happened with Rosario. I think the day off helps here for the young team to kind of flush this out. And we'll see when game two happens, but I'm not overreacting yet. I still, I still think the guardians have a really good shot here. And some people think this is negative. Some people it's positive. The Yankees beat you with judge going over for three with three K's. Right. I personally think that you were in that game the entire time. I'm not too worried about that yet with judge. Oh, they beat you without judge doing anything. We've seen judge in the playoffs here and there before he can be extremely hot. He can also be literally what he was last night, a whiffing machine. And you have to hope that maybe the game one happening and he goes over three, three K's, maybe he's in his head and maybe that continues, but we'll have to wait and see. We shall see. And we'll get back to more of the, uh, baseball discussion here in the next segment we'll also get into uh the upcoming week six of the nfl and of course high school sports right after this when others treat your fries as an afterthought all you're left with are cold soggy fries that's why wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget guaranteed to be hot and crispy or we'll replace them we're talking natural cut skin on fries perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt in fact they're even preferred almost two to one over mcdonald's these are fries so hot and crispy they beg a new question what would you like with your fries try them today only at wendy's at participating u.s wendy's taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. 
we partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Mustra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-49. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Bally here to talk about some sports, including the Major League Baseball playoffs. We talked about the Guardians losing to the Yankees game one. Uh, hopefully the Guardians, by the time we get back to our next episode, will be back in the series. Now, the rest of them last night, we had all four of the wildcard series start yesterday, Mitch. And the ones, there were, there were two games that I was not surprised by the finals. One of them, I was surprised by how the final came. And then one of them was the interesting one. I told I picked the Phillies to win in the wild card round against St. Louis, but I did not expect them to get out to a good as good a start as they did against the Braves. No, uh, honestly, I didn't either. And Mitch, I think me and I don't. I didn't listen to the post game. Obviously, I don't really care uh, to listen to any post game besides when my team's playing. I don't know, but I have to imagine one of the first questions that manager Brian Snicker was asked for the Braves was, did the rust cause you to lose this game? Did the five days off, you know, affect how you guys were able to battle at the plate, affect your pitching? Uh, we saw Max Fried, who really is one of the top two pitchers on the Braves, whether you want to put him one or two, up to you for your interpretation. His last 10 starts in the regular season, he did not give up more than two earned runs in any of those 10 starts. And yesterday, Mitch, he looked human. He gave up six to the Phillies, uh, chased him in the fourth inning, I believe. And so that's where the whole, that he had a first round by, they were off five, six days. Did it hurt him? We don't know. But I mean, the Braves came roaring back, but give credit to the Phillies, Mitch. And finally, Bryce Harper comes up clutch, but Nick Castellanos had three major hits. You had uh, Bohm, the third baseman coming through. Just an all-around great effort from the Phillies and especially Suarez, their starting pitcher, first time in that spot. Struggled early. I mean, you saw Acuna Jr. start off that bottom of the first with a double, and it looked like all of a sudden the Braves were going to come back, nibbled around it, got out of it, and the Phillies are up 1-0. And now this is a team that has not played a playoff game in front of their home crowd since 2011. Now they're guaranteed at least two more games at, uh, is it still Citizens Bank Park? I'm not sure if it is out in Philadelphia. And that's going to be a place, Mitch, that is wild. The atmosphere, I can imagine, is going to be crazy. The Braves, keep in mind, folks, the defending world champions, they're not going to, you know, freak out right now or or worry. I'm not going to call it a must-win game for them just because I do think that they are one of the better teams in baseball. Completely blew my mind when I found out yesterday during the broadcast they were second this year in all the baseball and home runs hit. You would not have expected that if you were just going off the top of your head. But, yeah, a crazy game, and it came down to the end too, Mitch. You see a lot of these postseason games come down to the end. Uh, the Braves had the tie and run at the plate in the ninth inning. Uh, but the Phillies walk away seven to six and are up one nothing in the NLDS. Scored, yeah, scored those three runs in the ninth on a three run home run. 
which I think put some scare into the Phillies, obviously, but uh, they held on to win. That series is still up for grabs, along with the one that we're talking about before. The other two series are over in my book. Houston, the one is is so over, and we're going to talk about it right now. uh, What are you talking about, Houston and Seattle? Yes, yep. Yeah, because you had you had the opportunity. Seattle uh, was up seven to five, obviously, and then uh, Jordan Alvarez hits the home run, and the Astros come back and win. There's just no way, as good as as good a story as Seattle has been, that's hard. It's hard. It's that's the Astros are hard to beat in the postseason. I think they're harder to beat than even the Yankees are at this point. And I picked the Yankees to beat the Astros in the uh, the championship series. And it's not only are they a hard team to beat, Mitch. It's how the Mariners got beat. You got six or four or six off Justin Verlander, Mm -hmm. the AL Cy Young award winner. I mean, presumed to be Cy Young award winner. You chased him from the game in four innings and you're up seven to three at one point there. You were up six to three and then you hit a home run. I believe it was Suarez hits a home run, makes it seven to three. Eighth inning Bregman hits a two run shot to make it seven to five. The Mariners brought in Munoz, who is really their best reliever. Um, they kind of do closer by committee in Seattle, but you got out of it. And the thing was, as long as you don't let one guy on, you weren't going to have to face the top of the lineup. But Mitch, I am not a major league baseball manager. I only coach the youth here around Star County. Okay. I've coached 15 year olds, 16 year olds, and I'll have 17 year olds again next summer. The situation that the Mariners were in in the ninth inning, if that is game five, I totally get it. If that is game seven, of a championship series or a world series. I totally get it. But bringing in a starting pitcher in the ninth inning, who only has ever had three career relief appearances and is coming in off three days rest. Yeah. was a awful move right away. I was on FaceTime with my one friend as soon, like while the game was happening, because we were talking about it. And not only that, but what were the Mariners calling on the three straight fastballs to Jordan Alvarez, who's, the best fastball hitter on that team, probably the best and most feared hitter on the team right now for the Houston Astros. And he unloads. And I mean, it was a no doubter. It 448 feet. I think I saw 117 off the bat and the Mariners completely choked game one away. And this is over. It's over in three. The, the Astros will take care of business game two. This will go to Seattle. And I just, I don't know how a Mariners team that has no postseason experience can rebound from a game like this that they had for 26 outs. You had the game one for 26 outs, and that's why you played 27. And Mitch, I'll tell you right now, as a baseball fan of my teams in the playoffs, I would rather lose how the Guardians lost last night than how the Mariners lost yesterday because that is gut-wrenching. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, there is something about you know being competitive but not having a true chance, whereas Seattle – you have that opportunity and then you just let it slip through. If you get the out, then it's, it's over, you know, but I don't know. Um, and as far as the Dodgers and Padres go, this is so, this feels so out of our, we can talk about it, but it just feels like an afterthought at this point. I know this, that the Padres score the three runs in the fifth to put a scare into LA, but the Dodgers are just objectively better than the Padres on paper. And I don't know, maybe if San Diego can really, get a, the offense going, get a good performance out of Musgrove again, should the opportunity come like he did, uh, like it was in um, game three of the wild card round. But I don't know. I think this is, goes at the maximum, but goes four games. Maybe San Diego steals one, but that's about it. 
And I picked San Diego to win this series, Mitch, but I, I'll just come out and say it right now. They have no, sh- no chance when your two and three hitters are a combined one for seven with one walk. Juan Soto and Manny Machado have been nowhere to be found so far in the playoffs. Nowhere. It, it's, 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 I don't know what, what to even say. It's been the bottom of the order for the San Diego Padres that got them through that wild card series against the Mets and your two best hitters, two of what a lot of people would say are two of the best players in all of baseball at their positions are nowhere to be found. Juan Soto over three with a walk, Manny Machado one for four, neither of them scoring a run, neither of them having any RBIs. It's just the, the Padres have no shot. They will get swept unless one of those two, if not both of them start to show up and you're right. They put that little jolt of fear into the Dodgers, but the Dodgers aren't going to be afraid until it actually happens. And what I mean that, I mean, the final score is final and the Dodgers have less runs than the Padres. That's the only time they might be afraid, but I wanted to get risky and take the Padres, but my gosh, if Soto and Machado are going to just disappear, then this, they might as well not even show up and play a couple of these games. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we got <clears throat> this coming weekend to figure out if any of the series will be done by then. I, I predict at least two of these series will be complete by then, because by the time we get back on on Sunday or Monday, then yeah, I mean, one of them could be, or many of them could be done in three games, maybe more than, than two of them. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, as far as the rest of the show goes, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be previewing week six of the National Football League, including the Browns game against the Patriots. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter.
Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. And welcome you back to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here. It is now time to talk NFL. And Mitch, I can see you already got the Google Sheet uh, pulled up. That's good. I was going to put mine in in real time. Uh, I was going to do that because we are going to preview week six of the upcoming NFL uh, season. By the way, before we get into that, Monday night, Mitch, quick recap. Chiefs and Raiders. Like, the Raiders just had a lot of strokes of bad luck towards the end. Uh, the Chiefs pull out a victory. They didn't look the greatest, but they ended up winning. And now Devontae Adams is uh, being criminally charged for shoving a uh, shoving a cameraman. So that's that's another fun thing for the Raiders. Yeah, um, yeah. What what just a wild game, really? I mean, you're talking about the Raiders getting out to a seventeen nothing lead. I I went to bed. Keep in mind, I usually get up extremely early, so I don't stay up for these late games. And uh, the first thing I see is Devontae Adams shoves cameraman after loss. So my first thought was, one, how did the Raiders blow it? Two, what? And then you go on to see he shoved a cameraman going into the tunnel. Um, since then, you say you see that he's claimed he's had injuries. He is pressing charges, um, which was expected when you're talking about professional athletes and situations like that. Yeah, just uh, it seems like, unfortunately, now not trying to make light of it in any way, but the Raiders seem to find themselves with a sticky situation every year. And luckily for them, this is definitely the least of all of them they've dealt with in the past couple of years, but uh, the league is seeking disciplinary action. They were, whether it was a fine or a potential suspension for Devonte Adams. Um, I personally don't think he des- deserves to be suspended, Mitch. Um, I, I tend to think of it this way that you were up 17, nothing Devonte Adams is very, very frustrated that they just blew that game. They fall to a one and four. And he's leaving the field, emotions high, and a guy walks in front of him and, look, should he have pushed him? No, but at the same time, you have no idea what, what Devontae's really thinking at that point. He did apologize. I considered it a very weak apology over Twitter, considering he said, if you see this, like, come on. Um, but we'll see what happens. Just not a good look at all for Devontae Adams or the Raiders. But, Mitch, it was a wild game. The Raiders typically always play the Chiefs tough and yeah. usually get a win somewhere during the season against the Chiefs. Derek Carr actually usually plays out of his mind or just as good as Pat Mahomes in those type of games. For me though, and I want to talk about this before we make our picks this weekend, the roughing the passer calls in the NFL. We've now yeah. seen two of them called the past weekend where I don't think either of them were roughing the passer calls. Um, I think the one on Tom Brady was a little more egregious because I guess you could say he didn't fall on Tom Brady where you saw the defender for the chiefs fall onto Derek Carr, even though he had the ball. Um, at the time. So just what's, what is your whole take on this? Well, you've seen a lot in, in the past days, you've seen a lot of current NFL stars like Von Miller to, to one of them come out and express their, just dis- how they're just upset with this and how that they can't take it. And what are they supposed to do? I mean, in the beginning of that chiefs Raiders game, Mitch, there was two sacks where they max Crosby literally hugged Mahomes and kept him up. I mean, is that what we've come to? Is that what a sack has to be from now on? 
I mean, I can understand a defender's frustration because this is in a game where in the past they were just accustomed to hitting a guy and then seeing what happens. And now they have to keep these certain things in mind in order to not cost their team with a penalty. And I'm wondering if a huge effect of this is because of the whole uh, outburst or outrage about two attack of Iloa just a few weeks ago. Now I'm not saying that the NFL has not had issues of this sort of uh, penalty called in the past before this, but I don't know because people were so, because people were so vehemently outraged that, uh, Tagovailo was even close to a football field that Thursday night when he suffered the concussion that, you know, might keep him out for a bit. That I think it's it's the league trying to ensure player safety, but at the same time, you are changing it in a way that makes the sport feel very different from what it was in the past. And I don't know. It, it, it's I don't think it, it'll. I don't personally believe it'll come to a point for a long time where it's such a slippery slope that it changes the game dramatically where the league is going to have to instill these even further rules and outlines that make the game feel much more different. But it is something that because it happens so frequently this week, it's some, it's a touch point that people are talking about now. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know where the league, how, I don't know how the league would address something like this because in all, in all honesty, it should be, these guys are willing to put themselves out there to play it sucks to see them get hurt. Yep. That that's that's the deal that you sign that you sign up that you sign yes. that you essentially agree upon when you put yourself in pads and go out on a football field. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. Bitch, you're spot on. You're you're one thousand percent correct. Don't apologize because if you weren't going to say it, I was. You know what you get yourself into when you decide to announce your eligibility for the NFL draft. Once you are drafted or signed undrafted or just a free agent picked up off the streets, you know what you're signing up for. And and listen, you have to have referees for obviously certain things and obviously dirty hits. And we've seen plenty of them in the past. Like Vontez Burfitt with with the Bengals comes to mind. I mean, that dude will never play another snap, even if he could right now, it's been a few years, but Mitch, to me, I think you and I are both on the same page. Those weren't roughing the passer penalties. They just, they, they weren't. And there was actually a video circulating that Tom Brady's been playing so long. I don't know if you've seen it, that when he was on the Patriots, I believe is his between year one and three, he did an end around keeper and he got hit so hard that yeah. his helmet came flying off. Yeah. It wasn't flagged. And now we're talking about Tom Brady being drugged down by yeah. the back of his jersey. And it's roughing the passer, not to mention Tom Brady flung his leg at the end, which people are saying it wasn't a kick. I personally don't think that your natural reflex is to throw your leg in the air like that oh. at the defender. Um, but it's just, and, and now you're in a tough spot because now you're going to start to get sacks where teams are going to say, yeah, it's roughing the passer. You don't get the flag. It, it's just, it's a tough spot now, but it, it, they cannot continue to go on with this bitch well, to your well, point. You well, know to, what you're signing up for. To address the point of, you know, why we see such a difference between the Brady back then yep. compared to today, it's because back then there wasn't a yep. grand awareness of football players getting serious mental problems in their late 40s to their 50s and 60s, and then unfortunately doing something about it, a.k.a having being in so much pain that they end up committing suicide or, or dying these premature deaths. That's what's unfortunate. Or harming others. We've seen that too. It's, sure. it's 
it's something, but you're right. They're, they didn't have the technology or research back then to do it. That's why um, we're, we're focused. We're more focused on it now than ever. And keep in mind, that's not, that's, that's not me giving a league, the league a pass to not provide care or services when it's necessary, because as much as the players do sign up for the possibility of something like this happening, you do want to ensure at the same time that each little thing can be done to maintain the integrity and the quality of the sport while ensuring that these guys don't unnecessarily go through these unfortunate circumstances. Mitch, if there was a crowd here right now, they would be giving you a standing round of applause because you're spot on with everything you said. I I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it in as much as I can. This is the most compliments I'll receive all week. So now we go over to week six of the NFL and uh, we're going to preview our picks. We got the Google sheet set up here. On Thursday night, buddy, if last week was the worst Thursday night game in a long, long time, what the hell is this game going to be? That's what I'm telling you right now. It's, it's going to be a thriller. Washington and the Bears on Prime. Like, Commanders had a tough loss to Tennessee this past week. I was watching the end of it where Wentz throws the interception into the end zone. Smart move, by the way, by the titans guy i don't know what his name was specifically but he ran out the clock because it's right at the last seconds instead of just falling in the end zone and risking it uh and the bears are two and three but they feel like a team that's worse than two and three right now justin fields is, just looks lost I, I hate to say it but he does look lost uh, beyond behind an atrocious offensive line the defense isn't quite playing well it's an even game you so you know you know it's God, can I pick neither team? I don't really know what to do here. You, you can pick a tie because the NFL is still like that. And they allow ties, which it, makes no sense. That's a different argument or a different rant. I can in bets. Oh, bets. No, no, you can get a push. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, well, yeah, wait. If you if you pick a tie and the line's even. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you could. Yeah, I'm sure you could bet that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about betting. I'm going to go with just. Washington just to say I did because I don't know. I feel like they might be a better team despite the record. Yeah, I think that I, I think they probably are. I think you're looking, you're going to watch two of the bottom five teams in all of football on Thursday night. Uh, however, I think because they're so bad record wise and just talent wise, I think it's gonna be a really good game. I, it's not going to be as bad as last week, folks. So if you sat and watched that, uh, yeah, game, I, this yeah. should be a really good game. I don't think um, it'll be. I don't think it'll be seven field goals. I think you're right on that, but it's just like, we're going to see it probably be like 17 to nine. I feel that would match up with what Vegas has at the over under of 38 to 16. Um, yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's like a 43 to 38 thriller that we just don't see coming. Um, but I will take the home team here because line is even, I will take the Chicago bears. Okay. So we have two afternoon games. No, excuse me. I was looking for the yeah two afternoon games for in division teams, and then the the yeah the Steelers also okay so three so the first one I want to get to uh, the Ravens they take on this is an interesting one because it's not I don't think it's a it's a matchup that people thought would be so anticipated at the season start the Ravens were coming off the Monday night win against Baltimore against the Sunday night win against Cincinnati take on the four and one Giants like Mitch Baltimore is a five point favorite right now. I don't know if I'm going to take Baltimore automatically. 
What do you think? It is tough because you did just see the Giants beat a good team in the Packers, right? I think that's kind of where everybody's mind is too, is maybe this team is better than what we really want to give them credit for. They were three and one. They beat some bad teams. This is a different team to game plan for than the Green Bay Packers, and I will take the Ravens and the points. Yeah, as much as I, I hate to say it, I mean, I think I got. Yeah, I think I got to go with my head. I think I did that last week. I might have been wrong there, but I'm going to go this week. The Ravens uh, at home, or no, on the road. Excuse me, in the Meadowlands. Uh, the Bengals take on the Saints. Pretty even matchup. Saints uh, are one and a half point underdogs. Cincinnati, one of the most underwhelming offenses in the league this year, just not really getting it done. Uh, you mentioned a coach last week. It was Stefanski on the hot seat. I would argue Zach Taylor is more on the hot seat. Than, well, here's the thing. He should be. But that playoff run last year bought him job security for at least two years, I believe. That's not here nor there. I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up. Who's gonna- No, I, I was going to bring it up too, though, because I was going to say, I believe they also signed him to an extension after last season. If they were to lose this game, what is the Bengals front office thinking? Or are they going to give him a pass because they went out and addressed what they thought the biggest need was in the O-line and it's actually been just as bad as last year? Yeah, I was going to say that's that's not that doesn't make the case much better. Uh, this one, I'm going to go. I, I think I think Cincinnati pulls it off. I'm going to go Cincinnati just on gut reaction. Do we know who's playing quarterback yet for the New Orleans Saints? I mean, it might be Taysom Hill after last week, for all I know, for all for all that I'm I'm hearing about it. Uh, I, I'm going to give you my pick now. Obviously I reserve the right to change. I am though, first off, Taysom Hill won't do what he did last week. He's about, he does that about every other week, if not a week and then two weeks off, he'll do it again. Um, Andy Dalton revenge game. Give me the saints. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's probably going to be Andy Dalton uh, again. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go Cincinnati still. Uh, we also have these Steelers who got, as we expected, boat raced by the Bills last week. And they come in at eight-point underdogs to Tom Brady and the Bucks. You know, mm, you know, Bucks haven't looked amazing, but I still think that I still think it's gonna be a, a handle 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 handily a Buccaneers win. I'm gonna go Tampa Bay. I think the Bucks win the spreads eight. I really think the Steelers somehow are gonna cover that. I really do. I think that. The defense will be ready to play. I think the Bucks are overrated. Um, I think realistically, though, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, what is it? We have the over/under at forty-four and a half. Yes, kind of, kind of like the under there. But I will take straight up. I'll take the Bucks to win. But I think the Steelers can cover the eight. Okay. Well, two teams that we did not expect to have similar records at the start at this point of the season, even though Green Bay comes in at a seven-point favorite, are the Packers. And the Jets. This one is at Lambeau. Yeah, Packers. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers is losing to two New York teams back-to-back weeks. Um, I, I Listen, maybe the Jets are better than what we think. I still think they've just been a flash in the pan and they're just playing above their, themselves right now. But I'm taking the Packers touchdown favorite at Lambeau. Okay, so I'm going to take Green Bay as well. Did you take – you took – okay, so you took Chicago in the – the Thursday night game. Uh, so then we have, let me see here. I have to put down my, I have to put down my team here. One second here. Okay. okay. Now we have the 49ers taking on the Falcons, San Francisco five and a half point favorites. Yeah. Realistically, Mitch, this game is in Atlanta. Um, Niners five and a half point favorite. This is where you hear a lot of those people say, Oh, West coast going to East coast. You know, could this throw them off? 
Uh, Niners typically play well whenever they travel across the country. Uh, I will take the Niners here. I think the Falcons that should be one and four going into this game, uh, they fall to two and four. I, I think the the Falcons offense is that atrocious that I'm going to go with the 49ers and I'm going to be very confident about that. So then we have uh, the Jaguars against the Colts. Everybody's most anticipated matchup. This one, I'm, I don't care, man. I think Indy is on a huge slide right now. I'm taking Jacksonville. I think I think Lawrence has a bounce back week after not looking great. You talked about coaches in the hot seat, Mitch. We might be seeing a coach, our second coach of the season, fired here if the Colts were to lose to Jacksonville this week, I think, in Frank Wright. I will take the Colts at home, two and a half point favorites. They typically just can't beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville for whatever reason. Um, but if the Jaguars win... Frank Wright, I think, is the next head coach you're going to see A, at the top of the list in odds to be fired and on the hot seat, or B, fired immediately. Yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be fired, but it'll definitely be a, uh, it'll definitely be an interesting discussion uh, the following Monday. So then we have Vikings up against the Dolphins. Vikings have fought a sneaky four and one, and they're the three and a half point favorites because Skylar Thompson is uh, expected to play at, at the start for the Dolphins at quarterback. Tua is throwing. But he's not he's not going to start this week. And of course, Teddy oh. Bridgewater got knocked out with a head injury, too. So, yeah, I think I think I think I think I'll go Minnesota pretty easily. Yep. I had to be determined in there because I wasn't sure to his availability. You gave me that info. I'm going Vikings as well. Yeah, it's just if if it, if it even was Teddy, I could give Miami a shot. Um but no, I think this is going to be the one. So then we have going down, we have the Panthers. Oh, those Panthers taking on the Rams, who also are kind of underachieving this year. Um, you know, look, Panthers. Oh, wow. Panthers, I think, are the yes, they're the the low. They're the the biggest point differential at ten and a half points this week. Um but even then, I don't think it's necessarily a gimme. Now, Baker Mayfield is questionable currently on the injury report. We don't know if he's going to start yet. If that's the case, then I'll go with the Rams handily. I'll go with the Rams, but I want to keep that one in the back of my head. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily a, necessarily a, a gimme. Uh, I, to me, I think this is a layup. I kind of already want to mark it green on the sheet because I'm taking the Rams. Uh, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback this week for the Panthers, whether it's P.J. Walker, Baker, um, they sign somebody else off the street, unless it's Blake Bortles. Um, I'm taking the Rams. Uh, Arizona and Seattle. We have the Cardinals and Seahawks. Cardinals three-point favorites. Mm. I'm going to go Cardinals. Does this not just feel like a sucker game, though? You know what I mean? Like I, I think the Seahawks have been playing way better than what we expected them to, but I, I don't think they're as good as they are. I also just don't trust the Cardinals whatsoever. Um. I, I don't I, I could literally flip a coin here for who I think could win this game off a of sheer talent standpoint. I'm going to take the Cardinals, though. Yeah, look, look, Gino's been balling out nine touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, over thirteen hundred yards compared to the six touchdowns and three picks that Kyler has thrown for less yardage. But uh, I don't know. I feel like on the road, Cardinals can pull one out. And then we have the Bills taking on the Chiefs in a midday Prime time matchup in Arrowhead, a rematch of last year's AFC divisional round game. Boy, oh boy, that this mm. and it's supposed to be good weather too. It's supposed to be, you know, pretty decent weather. It looks like 68 right now in Kansas City. Over under 54. 
This is a tough one. Uh, I I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to say the Chiefs. And the reason why I say the Chiefs. Now, this is the, this is the game I believe that I one of the games that I thought Buffalo could lose on its way to being the last unbeaten team in the NFL. That's obviously not the case anymore. But I think the reason why I'm going with the Chiefs, even though the Bucks, the Bills are three-point favorites, you just have an edge when it comes to that offense. And even though the you could say, oh, it doesn't have – like the Chiefs' offense has been producing at about the same level this year under any reign they had with Tariq Hill. Travis Kelsey is coming off a monster game, four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes looks as good as he's ever uh, had had a start to a season. And I think the Bills defense has too many questions going into this game. Not questions in general, but Tredavious White, the cornerback, out. You have Micah Hyde on the injured reserve, safety. Jordan Poyer, safety. He's questionable. You also have a couple of players on offense that might not be there as well. So I think I'm going to go Kansas City, but I think it's going to be within that three-point range that Buffalo has. Yeah, this is tough, Mitch, because part of me thinks that we saw the Bills last year lose that heartbreaking playoff game. And they can, they they prove they can play with the Chiefs. Yep. I, I think that probably the best team in the AFC to match up with the Chiefs head to head in terms of offense. There's there's two ways to look at it. The Bills come out and they play their best game of the year because they know they need to get the win for head to head because they want the playoffs to go through Buffalo. There's the other part of me that thinks that the Bills already believe in themselves that they're better than the Chiefs and they don't want to showcase what all they have to the Chiefs or what they could potentially keep in their back pocket. Now they could still win doing that, but I just, I, it's hard for me to pick here. Um, I'm going to go with the chiefs. I really am. I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with the team um, that right now just coming off of last week. I know that the bills throttled the Steelers, but the chiefs beat a better team than the bills did yeah. in my opinion. Um, but I'm not going to be shocked at the bills win. I, I think this is a massive game for both teams because I think when you talk, AFC championship. I'm throwing my predictions out the window because I'm a fool and I picked the Broncos. The home field advantage is pretty much going to determine who wins the AFC championship game between these two. I think, I think it'd be a great game. Bills win this game. They're the top team in the AFC to me by a considerable margin, but it also depends on the win too. If Kansas city plays it close, then it's like not going to be a huge margin, but Buffalo won by two touchdowns. They, They make a statement in, in, in Arrowhead. Uh, now we have the night game, Cowboys versus Eagles. Uh, Eagles' last undefeated team in the NFL. They're six-point favorites. Mitch, this is the game where, as great as the Cowboys have done, this is where the game that kind of puts some reality into them. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Now, I don't think Dallas is going to implode after this, uh, especially with the possibility of Dak coming back very soon. But this is going to be – Eagles are going to be, be just fine in this game, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll be just fine. And what a weekend it's going to be for the city of Philadelphia. You're talking about having Sunday night football against your division rival, probably the team you hate the most in the Cowboys. And then you're also having the Phillies play home playoff games for the first time since 2011. Great time for the city of Philadelphia in terms of their sports. I will take the Eagles, though. I think they remain undefeated. Um, I'm very, very curious to see what happens with the Cowboys if Dak's under center. Because I don't, I'm not saying that Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. Yeah. They are calling a different type of game though when Cooper Rush is under center and I think the Cowboys look better. And I just wonder if they would do the same thing with Dak or if they're too enamored with saying we're paying him all this money we got to let him do it this way. 
Um, I, I think it's a very interesting dynamic to see what happens with Kellen Moore, the OC there. Um, but give me, yeah, give me the Eagles. I think the Eagles, Mitch, and it's hard because we saw the Steelers back in 2020 get off to an eight or nine and zero start. And my thing is, you play who you play on your schedule. You can't control that. But if you're the undefeated, the lone undefeated team in the NFL, I'm putting you at number one of the power rankings because you haven't been beat yet. And so right now, Eagles are number one still. Okay. Um, yeah. As far as Monday night goes, Broncos versus Chargers. Uh, Chargers five point favorites. Gonna have to go LAC on that one. I don't know where you stand, but I think I, I don't think the Broncos embarrass themselves, but I do think the Chargers are the better team. They're gonna pull off the victory at home. Well, it's the battle of the idiot coaches. Um, that's really what, what I'm looking at here between Hackett and uh, Staley. Uh, it's which coach is going to make the least amount of mistakes. Um, and honestly, I could argue either way right now with how they like to coach their games and decision-making they make. I kind of wanted to take the Broncos, um, and I might still flip it. And we'll know because we'll record before that game ever plays for our next episode. But uh, as as we say here today, I'm going to take the Chargers. All right, and that leaves us one more game, man. I look. This has to be a better week for you. You can't possibly be the ultimate pessimist compared to some of the ones in the past. This is Patriots at the Browns. Browns are three-point favorites coming into this game. Both teams, you know, coming off of tough losses. I'm I'm going to hedge my bets this one. I'm taking the Browns. I know it could be a a, a letdown, but I'm going to say that the offense finally gets stuff together. They're going to utilize the run more, especially against a team that isn't amazing against the run. I mean, they've given up uh, an average of 128 per game, which is less than the Browns. But I think this is the one where the, the Browns sort of calm the waters. You're at three and three going into your games against back-to-back division opponents. No, no Patriots. Uh, honestly, uh, after people, I honestly forgot we played this team last year and I'm not even like kidding. Yeah, I forgot we played this team and got embarrassed in Foxborough. Yes. Um, there is way too much confusion right now on the team. We just signed a nose tackle after we had heard the front office before saying they don't really value nose tackles. Well, now you obviously realize that your defense sucks and you have to do something to stop the run. Ramondre Stevenson's coming in here and I'm not going to be shocked if he looks like Nick Chubb in this game. Uh, I I honestly don't think we're going to lose this game how we've lost other games. I won't be shocked if the defense plays well, but Bill Belichick has an offense ready to defend Jacoby Brissett and Nick Chubb, and we actually lose a very close game while hitting the under. The over-under is 43. I think I could see the Patriots literally winning this game like 20 to 14, like a low-scoring game. Um, but yeah, I'm taking the Patriots, Mitch. I told you, I'm not picking the Browns again. All right, well, we're just going to keep holding on for hope for next week. It's not even going to be next week or the week after because, you know, well, it'll, be, it'll probably be when we play the Bills because that would be the most Cleveland Browns thing ever. We'll probably keep losing, losing, losing. The spread will be 14, and I'll, I'll say, you know what? This is the most Cleveland Browns thing ever. They have no business winning this game, but they'll beat the Bills somehow, and they somehow will. Oh, you drive me nuts sometimes. All right, we're going to a break. We're going to final segment. Here in a couple minutes, talking some high school sports. Uh, I want to shout out some uh, some state qualifiers and, of course, week nine of the football season. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, 
for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-496. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Final segment, Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Valley here. Now time to talk about high school sports. Before we get into football, Mitch, I want to shout out some golf, some golfers in uh, in the high school area because it is now officially tournament time. Uh, the state tournaments are being uh, uh, filled out here. A lot of the teams uh, making their way down to either Sunbury or Columbus and a couple of teams from our areas, both uh, qualifying. Uh, for me, it's Tuscarawas. You have teams like Carrollton's boys making the tournament, as well as uh, Connor Ritter, the individual for Sandy Valley, the senior, uh, the junior, make, making his way back to the state tournament for the second consecutive year. He won the title last year. And then, uh, Mitch, we also had two teams from your neck of the woods in Green and Jackson, both the boys qualifying for the tournament. And Green Mitch is kind of one that was unexpected. They may have had the Federal League Player of the Year, maybe a potential, you know, just best player around the area in golf, but the Green Bulldogs showed out and they are going to states. And uh, at Fort Jackson, this was something that if you are around the area, this is, you don't want to say expected because you hate to put those type of expectations on, you know, anywhere from 13 to 17 year old kids in high school. But this is kind of expected for Jackson year in, year out to make a run like this and, and go back down there. But, but no, and you, you know, golf way more than me. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, what guys are shooting or, you know, what, uh, what they'll need to shoot to, you know, try to win a state championship, but it's awesome to see the green bulldogs, a team that a lot of people didn't think could make a run like this, make a run two States. And then Jackson will be down there too. So Stark County will be represented well in terms of uh, boys golf. Absolutely. It, I was going to say, I don't know if you were going right to football, but I wanted to give a shout out to two other federal league schools. 
Tusla girls volleyball and Jackson girls volleyball wrapped up their league titles last night in league play. So that is two more teams that we now see uh, as the tournament starts next week for volleyball. And Mitch, we are looking to have a volleyball head coach from a local Stark County school on here within the next week. And hopefully we have that set up here. I've been in contact with uh, head, Kate, head coach Mary Kate Agona of the Jackson Polar Bears. And it looks like we'll be able to get her on. But those two teams wrapping up their league title and then Jackson Boys Soccer. I know I sound like a homer, obviously. Uh, Jackson Boys Soccer earning a share of the league title last night when they were on the road at Green Memorial Stadium. So fall, store, fall sports, excuse me, starting to come close to the end of the regular season. We still got more football, though. Oh, obviously. I mean, uh, with the te- two matchups we have uh, coming this week, we have uh, a matchup on two matchups on Friday night, but one in Stark County, one in Tuscaroras. Uh, yours will be uh, Hoover traveling to Green to take on the Bulldogs. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Green going in has had a bit of a run here. And then New Philadelphia will be on the road this week in one of our longest travels. Uh, this year to Millersburg to take on the West Holmes Knights. The Knights are unbelievable uh, this season, Mitch. 8-0 on the year, but I want to hear about the Bulldogs versus uh, the Vikings first. I mean, what can, do you think we can expect from that matchup? I think you can expect a lot of points. I think you can expect to see Carson Derlin and Robbie Klockner to the two quarterbacks of each school airing the ball out, and I think you have potential to see a lot of points. Um, for them, the Federal League title hopes are diminished. Really, we're going to know after tomorrow night if the Federal League is wrapped up by Canton McKinley or if Lake has an outside shot at it. But this is going to be fun. And the one thing to watch out for, as we've heard after last week and coming into this week, was one of the two McKinley running backs between Roach and McKelly banged up. Possible they do not play. One of the two do not play. Um, But this is going to be a great game on big time sports over in North Canton. And like I said, Mitch, I think you're going to see a lot of points scored. You're going to, if you like guys throwing the football and seeing the speed on the outside, and maybe some people like to see great defensive back play, the defensive backs and the safeties and all secondaries will be tested tomorrow night as these two teams, Mitch, meet in week nine. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities. These two teams meet again in the playoffs as they're both in the same division and region or the OHSA playoffs starting here in just two weeks. I was going to say right now in the standings, you have uh, multiple teams from the area like Cam McKinley sitting at number five. Uh, Maslin Jackson currently eighth uh, in the 16-team field. You also have Glen Oak in there, spiping three and five, the number 11 right now. And then, uh, of course, obviously St. Ignatius, or uh, St. Edwards, excuse me, is number one at seven and one right now. So we'll see where it goes. As far as uh, my matchup, New Philadelphia, of course, you know, having a, a pretty solid year at five and three on the season, coming off a win last week against Lexington, where there was very little scoring. You had a touchdown run by Trevor Bean and then a late field goal, and then four interceptions early on for the Quakers in the first half, three of them from Dakota McCune, who had a standout performance. And the team, this is where I'm very curious as to what they do here. There's only been one game this year, Mitch, where the Quakers have scored over 21 points and that was their 44 to 6 win over Mount Vernon back on the 23rd. Now, since then it has been uh total point totals for New Philadelphia of 7, 20, 21, 15, 21, 21 and 10. That's that 
it's when I say those point totals, I mean, you might think, oh, they, they, they score their points, you know, from time to time. Sometimes they don't. And then I look over at what West Holmes has been pulling off this year. West Holmes right now is one of the highest scoring teams in, in, in a lot of the areas around us. They have these, these are, these, these are their point totals for weeks one through eight, 41, 51, 56, 37, 56, 48, 48. And they're coming off a 63 to 39 victory over Ashland. Now that one, that last one interests me because Ashland scored the most amount of points that, that, any team has gotten on the night so far this year, new Philadelphia, their offense hasn't been a, a juggernaut so far this year, but if they can put up the trick for them is, is to put up enough points while trying to maintain this night's offense as best they can. And the defense is very capable of doing good things because multiple times this year, new Philadelphia has been able to really look, keep teams, uh, off the board they gave up two points to cvca zero points to steubenville zero points to worcester uh, no excuse me 20 points to worcester 21 to 21 to steuben 20 steuben last 20 to steubenville excuse me 21 to worcester but then they give up seven to ashland six to mount vernon zero points to madison comprehensive and then last week just seven points that's a very good defense it's the question of if the offense can really put something together to potentially have to match up with a Knights team that can obviously get the ball down the field. And maybe, maybe they can, right? You talked about what their defense has been able to do. They haven't been in a situation where they've had to showcase what they can really do on offense. Now I I get that that could be just a a bad take by me because as a team, like, like you said, West Holmes is putting up insane point totals in every game, but there's a chance that maybe they just do what they just need to do to get by. And maybe this is the game that you really find out what the offense is capable of. Maybe there's something they've been holding back. Um, I mean, granted, you see that a lot in college football, I believe, and maybe some, so, so much in the NFL, but we don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, Mitch, this could be an offensive shootout. This could be one sided or the defense could show up and West Holmes hasn't seen anything like it. If it's, if it's going to be close, I do. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a shootout. I think New Philadelphia is going to really try and utilize the run as best they can. Bean has been one of the top performers for the team so far this year, and you know the quarterbacking hasn't been hasn't been awful by any stretch. They just don't go to it, I think, as often as they would the ground game because the ground game can be so effective, and even the quarterbacking can uh, uh, get enough from the rush to make enough make up enough the Quakers to stay in these games because it's again the the most they gave up this year has been 21 points that's not that's pretty good for a defense only oh, yeah. about three touchdowns maybe two touchdowns and two field goals you know that Ashland score really interests me especially with the fact that they only gave up uh seven points to the arrows in their first uh OCC win so I'm very compared to the 39 they, that they scored against West Holmes. So I'm very curious as to where that game goes. Uh, we're also curious as to where you guys think the games will go this coming week and week nine. Uh, we'll put a poll out there or something or ask, you can ask it on YouTube on the comment section below. And that's where our episode is going to end because, you know, we always mention that you can follow us on YouTube. Be sure to like subscribe, hit the bell on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, we also are, are on Facebook, big time sports, Ohio on Twitter at BTS, Ohio. And on Instagram, Big Time Sports Ohio. And then at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala. You know, you can follow us pretty much on anywhere of those of those handles. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? 
Mitch, your fact of the day is the last letter added to the English alphabet was not the last letter in the alphabet Z. It was actually the letter J. It was the letter J. I mean, I do. I, yeah, I mean, wasn't the, I think it was a thing a long time ago where a lot of words weren't using that letter specifically. If it was, it was always in the form of an H or something long. I might be just be pulling that out of my rear end, but I, I'm, I'm, I am a little surprised that you would. You would think that Z would be the last one. I just assumed they already had the letters standard and then just put them all together, put them on a list. Uh, I don't know, though, but every time I forget to do this, let me see if I can make this shot here. Thank you for listening and watching to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. 